Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, I have Matthew Stripper here today. He's a marketing genius, and we're going to talk marketing. In essence, how you as a human being communicate with other human beings on the other side of a website, social media, or just uh, something they used to call letters. Uh, now we call them emails. It's going to be brilliant. Matthew, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. And of course, you are in the UK and uh, I'm in Canada. Most of the time I spend in the US and I really like that. I'm going to screw up this uh, phrase. It's like uh, two countries separated by a language, uh, the Yanks <laughs> versus the Brits. Divided by a common language. Yeah, I don't there know who said go. that, whether it was um, Churchill or somebody else. Th there's some classic stories about that. I remember reading Churchill's war memoirs and f in, in American English, when you table something. Yes. Um, it means Put it one aside, thing. don't touch it again. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, let's park this. We don't want to discuss it. And, and in English, especially to parliamentarians, to table something means to propose it. Yes. So, the, the, you know, the, the Joint Chiefs and staff are having these very kind of complicated conversations and they, they thought they met compl meant completely different things. Um, certainly, as a, as a marketer myself, I've made a living working for American companies Um over here in England. So Microsoft and Hewlett Packard and Google, LinkedIn have been my clients over the years. And, and a lot of what I have done for them has been cultural translation. Yes. Um, and I don't mean replacing baseball metaphors with cricket metaphors or changing the spelling, although that's a thing. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, I think English people, I mean, it's this is reducing it to a cliche and it's probably not fair, but I think Americans expect and need, want a little bit more selling to. Yes. And English need a little bit more. Um, you know, if, you're, if you're selling too hard and trying too hard, it's off-putting and kind of calibrating that between, even though it's the same language can sometimes be hard. Absolutely. And what's kind of interesting is uh, if I was talking to a friend and they kind of twisted my arm and asked me to talk about myself and, you know, how fabulous I am, it could happen. I could talk about that. But if there was somebody that I was attracted to that I really wanted, sometimes you get tongue tied and the eloquence you had a moment ago with a friend is gone. Mm. And when we look at marketing, oftentimes companies have an internal conversation about what they do and when they try and take that same conversation to the masses, there's a disconnect because oftentimes the customers value them and see them differently than they see themselves. So can you talk about uh, one of the clients you had like that and how you got them to cross the Rubicon and actually see what you're talking about was reality and not craziness? It, 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 you've put your finger on something quite important. Um, it's true in technology companies, and I'm sure in other sectors, that the thing that got made you successful is knowing your 
stuff, talking, yes. you know, knowing your product, knowing your technology, being proficient at it, and being very, you know, and 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 therefore you tend to look at the rest of the world and think, well, if they understood what I understood and knew how clever I was or how clever our technology is, they would automatically want to buy it, right? So the tendency is let's talk about our stuff in our language using yes. our jargon. Um and and you know we get a lot of clients who want to do you know lots of product literature and lots of feature comparisons. So that, that then they think, well, the next step forward is I'm going to be really careful, mindful of my competitors, and how are we talking about our stuff, and how does it compare with how they're talking about stuff like our stuff, right? Here, you know, I'm I'm in a marketplace, I've got a product, and there are ten other products like it. So let's let's now talk about features and oh, yeah. speed and feeds. And We've got this thing here. They don't got, haven't even thought about it. Right. And um, that gets you a little bit further along, at least you'll begin. But the reality is, you know, most people who are buying your product are spending most of their time not thinking about you, your product, or your competitors. They've got a job to be done. They've got a problem to be solved. They've got a need they have to fill. And they will spend exactly the amount of time it requires to figure out how to solve that and then move on. So that the, the imaginative leap that marketers help clients take is to start talking about potential customers, their problems, needs, ambitions in their language as the context for talking about your stuff in your language, right? So invite them in and have a conversation about, well, you know, we understand your world. We understand the problems you've got. We Here are some ways you can solve it. And by the way, one of the ways you can solve it is with, with our product that potentially solves it like this and so on and so on. But that that is the order of the conversation, talking about other people's stuff in their language, not about your stuff in yours. And I, I call this the, the man in the mirror problem, right? Right. People, people who are entrepreneurs or techies want to talk about their stuff because they think that the people that are is that who are buying it are the same as the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror so that getting across that barrier getting across that bridge is the, the the most exciting but also the most challenging part of marketing what's kind of interesting is when you talk to a client's customers say hey you've been dealing with abc company what value do they provide you and those answers are gold because number one they articulate exactly what you provide them and more importantly they use the exact language that's meaningful for them and there's a good chance people that are like them their men and women in the mirror will respond to that as well but seems like you know common sense 101 but most companies don't do that why do you think that is because marketing is atrocious everywhere and i know the worst company in the world for marketing guilty like oh, we really suck at it and we're trying hard and we still are not getting it. Physician heal thyself. We also yes. struggle with marketing ourselves and doing what we say to other people to do. Um, it's not unusual. Um, I think I think businesses need to do exactly what you say, a bit of business anthropology. Let's go and find out you know, who are our happy, successful customers? What do they get from us that they like? Why did they like it? And, and let's talk about that to people like them. Um, I remember years ago doing um, a lot of marketing for a Microsoft product called um, Small Business Server 2003, which it's takes an exciting the product. I'm so, right. oh, my heart's racing now. It's amazing. Yes, it, it had a whole ton. Right, right. The name itself yeah. isn't exactly <laughs> inspirational, but it had a whole ton of technology in it. I mean, it was yeah. an amazing thing, and it was you know the value proposition was really clear. It was a very fr good price, and so on and so on. And we did a lot of uh, focus groups on small business owners about some of whom had it, some of whom didn't, what they liked and what their problems were. And, and of all this range of technology in the box, I mean, it was an amazing, like it did everything. 
the thing that came up again and again and again for small business owners was backup. That was the thing that they were bothered about, having their data protected, secured. If there was a fire or a theft in their office, they had a copy of it. And it, backup was like 5% of small business server, but that was the that was the hook. So we started talking about, you know, making being safe in your business and giving people access to the data and making sure that, you know, you can sleep at night and things like that. That was the thing, one of the, the things that motivated people. But you have to ask, you have to talk. And we, as a marketing agency, turn that conversation, that a business anthropology into a number of artifacts, into marketing personas. So descriptions of the people who are buying your product and their pain points and needs and ambitions ideal client profile, what companies are buying your technology, if it's B2B, um, tone of voice messaging, um, tone of voice guidelines, like how do we speak, mm. messaging guidelines, what is it that we're trying to say? You know, we talk about backup because small business owners are concerned about sleeping at night, not having losing all their data and their business going up in smoke. You know, packaging all of that up in a way that then is delivered consistently across all the touch points. That's the work that marketers do. And we we have this sometimes we have these conversations with people with cl potential clients. Oh, I don't want to do all that. Can we just get straight to the marketing? And we 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 have to persuade them sometimes. You actually need to have this. You have to you have to have the documentation. You have to have the consistency. But you have to do the research. Otherwise, the money you spend on marketing could be spent on all the wrong things and in all the wrong directions. So let's get the strategy right, and then the execution will be much more efficient. So I get all of that, but then you have to sell it within the organization. So talk to me and about it all the comes selling process, cost, right? Yeah. So tell me about the selling, uh, first getting the uh, marketing folks at Microsoft to buy and say, okay, we agree with this, but then getting the everybody from the frontline uh, customer support mm -hmm. people to the inside sales people. So how does that work? And how long does it take to actually get them indoctrinated? I, I, I make a very big distinction between the multinational clients that we have had do mm -hmm. have um, where they are, where we deal with professional marketing managers who are marketing planners and strategists. So we're talking to them about, you know, in their language, right. Um, right. We very rarely have to persuade them. Although sometimes we bring insights that they didn't have or uh, perspectives they didn't have, or, you know, capabilities they don't have that that's a relatively, in my experience, a relatively easy conversation. The most challenging conversations we have in terms of selling, selling marketing, right? Marketing, marketing is, is with owner managers uh, 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 of small and medium sized companies. And very typically they have built up a business to a certain size and, and, and success by being very good at the technology, by being good salespeople, by having a network of contacts and selling out and whatever whatever it is that got them to a certain point. And then they hit this ceiling because they can't grow anymore. The thing that got them where they are won't take them any further. And, and it, that's a very hard conversation to have because you have to say, look, everything you've done so far, fantastic. We're not saying stop that, but you've run out of steam. Now you need to go and look at what Microsoft is doing, what Dell is doing, what H, you know, they, they are doing strategic marketing. They are doing branding. They are doing positioning. They've got clear messages. They've got a tone of voice. They've got stories they're telling. They're understanding their customers. They're targeting people. And, you know, you need to move in that direction, move towards professional grown-up, joined-up marketing. And Sometimes people get it and they go, they very ambitiously embrace that. And sometimes they find that quite hard because it's, it's, it's a new area of expertise and it's a new way of doing things that they haven't done before. Um, 
the way that if you can persuade them, the way that we persuade them is by saying, and here are the results if you do this, and here is why it matters, and how here, here is how we do it, and here is somebody else we've done it for who you can talk to. This is the journey we're going to take you on. I had one of my uh, former clients. We worked with them for two years. Right. At the end of that, they got bought by a multinational, so they were very happy. Mm-hmm. A successful outcome for them. But I, I took took him out for lunch, and at the end of it, he said, D- "Working with you was like doing an MBA in marketing because we learned so much about marketing on the way." Um, they went from one junior marketing person to a marketing team, and from I had twenty people to about a hundred and something people in the space of two years. They, it's a very well-run, successful business, but we right. did the marketing for that. Brilliant. So when you're dealing with a new client, pretend I'm your client, what are some of the questions you ask to A, figure out what's going on and B, provide insights to the people that you're talking to? Like, are there any common kind of strategies to unravel what's going on? Yeah, I, I think we we like to start by understanding um, successful clients of yours. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who do you sell to? Why do they buy from you? What is different for, between you and the other things that they might be choosing to do this. What are their alternatives? Yeah, we look at competition, but we also look at the the competition of doing nothing. What happens if they, you know, what if they don't buy your product? What's the the need? We're really trying to get at their pain points, actually, um, and and understand that. And, you know, (laughs) you have the conversation and you say, well, why, why, why do people buy from you? Oh, well, because we're friendly. We know what we're talking about. We're good at our job. We're you know, we've got all these certifications. If it's a services company or our product has X, Y, Z feature, which makes it better than, you know, these other features. And, and you go, okay, fine. Let's keep keep digging into that, you know, five whys. You have to keep asking the question because oh, yeah. it's usually the, the, the pat answer is usually trivial, superficial, because they haven't thought beyond it. That answer has been good enough up to that point. So we, we tend to have these sort of typically for a full strategy onboarding there are eight to ten hours of workshops and we're discussing you know all of that about about products customers pain points but we're also trying to understand the motivations of a business what their business goals are um what their what their innate tone of voice is and you said earlier something which i think is is a, a, a nice true point when they're talking amongst themselves they talk differently than when they talk to customers right what's what do they like when they talk amongst themselves what is the true voice of the business and we spend quite a lot of time exploring that um and we do then we do quite a lot of analytics modeling you know looking at traffic growth and seo and content planning and some, some of the more practical marketing things let's talk about seo so what is seo if you were telling uh your mom about seo <laughs> Explain it like that. Oh, well, um, okay. I I think at its heart, SEO, search engine optimization, is about getting your website found on Google for things that potential customers are searching for. Mm. Yeah. And things where you have something sensible to say about those questions, right? I mean, anybody can get found for celebrity gossip or something. That's, Mm. you know, that's not the purpose of SEO. And there's a sort of a, I I do a little diagram where I, I, I map out what perfect SEO is. So, you know, the stuff you want to talk about, your products and services mainly, the stuff your customers, potential customers want to find out about, some of which is related to what you do and most of it is not, the stuff you can actually 
answer. You know, you can actually write about it or be found for it because there are lots of questions you can't answer. You don't know. You literally don't have the data or you don't have the insights. And then the, the last bit of that kind of Venn diagram is what do we need to do with our pages, with our text that will help Google find them and put us high up on the first page, if possible, or high up on its listing for the stuff we want to talk about, for the stuff our customers want to read about, for the stuff that we have answers for. And there is there is an input into providing good content that comes from understanding how people are searching for it and understanding how Google ranks pages for it. And there's a technical piece. So Anyone who says, I can make your traffic grow and you don't have to talk to me is probably selling you snake oil. Yes. You know, fundamentally, SEO is about producing content, information that is ranks well on Google for, for questions that people are asking, right? So you have, to, you have to be, in Google's words, expert, authoritative, and trustworthy, EAT. Yep. Um, and then, then there's a whole bunch of technical stuff you have to do to make sure your site is searchable and you know loads quickly and various other sort of kind of housekeeping things. So I've probably mystified your audience and mystified my mother at that no. point. So basically what you're saying is if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it actually fall? It's like if you wrote a blog article, would somebody read it? And the answer is no, unless you're answering a question that your customers are curious about. And if that answer happens to showcase what you do and sell, all the better. And if you make it easy for Google to figure that shit out, then it's the trifecta and stuff happens. Okay. Let me give you a really good example of this. Um, we had a client five years ago that was doing very clever things in Microsoft Azure. They were doing high-performance computing in Azure. And they had a product that they had developed called um ACE, Advanced Computing Engine, mm -hmm. that took a very, very large spreadsheets from Excel and put them up in Azure so you could calculate them quickly. And not the kind of spreadsheets you and I make, but like insurance companies that have spreadsheets where when you press calculate, it takes eight hours to calculate the spreadsheet. Right. It's got millions of cells and complex formulae and it. You know, it's doing modeling and stuff, right? So if you're an insurance company and you've got one of these sort of risk analysis spreadsheets, if you can make that run in 10 minutes, not eight hours, it's a huge competitive advantage. So insurance companies buy bigger and bigger and faster, faster computers to run these Excel models. And they, so this company moved them up into the cloud. So here's the SEO problem. Nobody knew the name of our client. Nobody knew they made this product and nobody was searching for ACE or advanced computing engine because nobody had heard of it, right? There was no SEO traffic, tree falling in an empty forest. So we came along and we wrote a series of blog articles like how to improve Excel performance or how to pimp my Excel was one notable title, nice. I remember, yeah. and, and various things like that. Because we figured the audience, they all had Excel, they all had frustrations with making it, with it being too slow. So we wrote these articles about how to optimize Excel. Of the 10, 15 things that we were suggesting, one of them was check out Advanced Computing Engine because we can put your stuff in the cloud and it will run in 10 minutes. And in the first month of running that, they got thousands of page views on that content and they got hundreds of signups to a white paper that we had written about it. And we weren't talking about the product at all. We were talking about people's pain points and the things that people were searching for. How do I make Excel faster? But uh, in a subset of the people who are searching for that really, really needed their pro this product and that's how they sold it. 
So let's say, uh, like we're in the business of mindset and confidence and getting rid of anxiety. One of the focus areas are realtors. So realtors have anxiety where they don't do the things they need to do to make money and get more customers. So how does one go looking for the right title for that? Do you use Google to search to try and find what people are looking for? Like, well, what do you recommend? So um, a number of ways you can get at that. Um, first of all, business anthropology, ask people, where do you get, when you, when you, you know, dear estate agent, realtor, when you've got anxieties about what are those anxieties? How do you express those anxieties? Where yep. do you go for information about that? What do you type into Google to, you know, you will get ideas from that, right? Ask somebody. Yeah. Second thing, um, you can ask yourself the obvious questions. Like, if I was a realtor and I was having stress about sales, what would I type into Google? You know, how to increase um, realty sales. You know, that would be a thing. Or, you know, how to deal with, uh, you know, what happens if the sales pipeline dries up or whatever, 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 right? So, you know, you start asking those questions. Google will not only give you a list of answers, but it will also show a box that says people also ask. Yes. Okay? So you can start seeing, I ask the question like this, but other people who ask this question also ask this. So it starts showing you not what you think, but what other people think. So that's the, the, the second thing. That's free. Then there are products like RFs, Moz, um, and there's another one, uh, BuzzSumo, mm -hmm. where you can type in key phrases like, I don't know, sales anxiety or something, mm -hmm. and it will give you the top answers, the top content for those things, and it will give you related keywords, and you can start to populate this mental database of this nice. is the landscape of ideas and how people search. Um, the last thing I would, I mean, there's, there's more stuff than this, but the last thing I would recommend is a tool called Answer the Public. And you type in something into that, like, I know, sales anxiety, and it gives you this sort of lovely diagram of all the questions people are asking Google about that. Um, oh, one more tip, actually. Um, sites like Quora, where you Quora, go yes. and ask questions. Mm -hmm. I, I was doing um, SEO for a wine business at one point. And so I went on to Quora and I just looked in the wine section and all the questions people were asking about wine, like, can I send a bottle back? What's a good red wine with low tannins? How do I choose a good bottle for a date night? These sort of questions mm -hmm. that people are putting out there. Uh, and what we did, we just went and wrote for the website blog, <laughs> every question that somebody had asked on Quora that had got lots of answers. And we just right. went and wrote the answers on the blog. And that, that got that website up from about 2,000 sessions a month to about 20, 25,000 sessions a month. And we probably wrote 20, 25 answers for it. So that's that's a way of That's actually it. brilliant. People are already looking, uh, getting in front of the traffic as opposed to trying to attract them to whatever funky stuff you're doing. So last couple of questions, because, you know, we can go on for marketing for like forever. I've been told I could bore for England about marketing. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so two questions. Number one. Matthew, what makes you happy? Ah, uh, well, I, I, I'm a bit of a nerd, a bit of a geek. So I, 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 I'm, I'm very happy when I'm solving a problem with technology. I like tinkering with my computer and finding things out. And that's always been the case. Uh, um, I used to design computer games for Lego, and I'm, I'm oh, a wow. bit of a, I'm an adult fan of Lego. So I find building Lego models relaxing. Um, I. I like spending time with my my wife and my family. I that, I find that relaxing. I don't know. I the, I don't know if that's the usual stuff, but no, yeah, it's uh, it's the right answer for you. <laughs> what is one mind hack? One trick that you use to be more productive, sleep better, sell more, 
bring more joy into your life, what's one thing you'd like to share with the world? Uh, we'd all like to bring more joy into our lives, wouldn't we? Um, I think I think there are two, and they're both blindingly obvious. I, I tend to do my best work in the morning. So if I get up and I'm working at 6.30 or 7 at my yeah. desk, that couple of hours before everybody starts asking me questions is very productive. Other people work best at night or in the afternoon. You know, find your, find your time. Yeah. time and protect it. Right. If you're, you know, I, I, I block out Fridays and I don't do meetings on a Friday. So I have one day a week when I'm not beset by other people's questions. Um, so that's that's one tip. Um, another thing that I've, I've always done. And, and again, this is blindingly obvious. And I, th- I think um, uh, getting things done got there first. But if I have a, if I have a, a thing in my mind that like I must remember to do this or that, I always write it down and I have a very carefully structured system i use uh, a little app on my phone and on my computer so i'm always writing i don't necessarily do everything i write down but it means i'm not walking around with my head full of jobs yeah. to do i can try to keep my mind clear for the thing i'm doing um now here's my request if anyone's watching this or listening to this and they've got a, a way of reducing the amount of meetings you have in a day i would love to know how to do that because all i do is clear space for meetings and then somebody else comes and occupies my time so that's the problem I'm working on now. That is a good thing. We'll, we'll talk offline about that. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for being on the show. Learned a lot and uh, you're a master of your craft. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 